What's up, Wyoming knuckleheads? Gobi Wyoming is back and with our first full-length interview of the season uh, with a big one, U.S. House of Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming. Our full-length interviews are where we get to sit down and have formal interviews with our guests. It could be business leaders across the state, uh, politicians, of course, um, or just friends of the show. Uh, we hopefully uh, have you know formal, open, unbiased conversations on you know important Wyoming issues and topics. Uh, compare that to our roundtable episodes, uh, where it's probably multiple guests, maybe friends of the show, uh, talking about a specific topic. Like we've done blockchain, we've done Wyoming state budget, you know, K twelve education, uh, or anything else that might come up. Very informal. Those are uh, supposed to be fun and just drive conversation with whoever's in the studio that day. And lastly, uh, Gobi Wyoming is bringing back our Give No Ground uh, episodes. Um, it's time for young, courageous Wyoming citizens to have their voices heard on specific issues um, and hopefully help educate others um, in either business, uh, politics, uh, their industry, whatever their industries are, um, or just life, just life lessons that uh, young people have learned. Um, and hopefully those will be series as well, maybe if it's diving deep into like energy or water issues or really anything that's current uh, throughout Wyoming. But before we get to our interview with Representative Cheney, a shout out to one of our great sponsors. Uh, without our sponsors, we would uh, not be able to keep this podcast running. So the Sheridan County Airport, save time, fly local, fly Sheridan. Don't drive those couple hundred miles uh, to Billings or, or Gillette or Casper, even Denver. Uh, catch a direct flight to Denver International um, from Sheridan via United, operated by SkyWest Airlines great service daily they're trying to increase it this summer um, of course there's inflation and prices but um, the more people that uh, use the service obviously that'll drive the price down and then there's more flights so book your direct flight today at united.com so i i think i'm pretty sure Gobi wyoming is the first wyoming podcast to have interviewed both challenger harriet hageman who has the uh, former president trump um, and incumbent representative liz cheney uh, I only had about 45 minutes with Representative Cheney, uh, but I was able to discuss issues like, obviously, the current rise of inflation, securing, uh, securing Wyoming's energy independence um, in industries, protecting Wyoming's sovereignty from federal overreach, uh, whether that be BLM, uh, the border, um, and of course, uh, the big elephant in the room, we did talk about January 6th, the January 6th committee, um, and then obviously, subsequently, the impeachment of President Trump. Um, Representative Cheney is standing by her decision and explains her stance, um, which is against uh, the state of Wyoming's Republican Party as well as the National Republican Party. Uh, but it's a great uh, – make sure you listen all the way through to that, um, and we kind of di – we dive into that. Um, we, were, we were able to also cover issues like the leak of the – at the, the Supreme Court um, draft decision of Roe v. Wade, um, of course, the war in Ukraine and some other issues. Uh, we were unable to dive deeper into some issues like fighting disinformation, election integrity. Um, I wasn't able to ask her kind of her opinions on Roe v. Wade. Um, and uh, I really wanted to know like what she thought the future of the Republican Party could be. But um, I believe this is still a great interview to compare uh, to our interview with uh, challenger Harriet Hageman. Uh, I asked Harriet and Liz about kind of similar, the similar questions. So uh, for anyone out there that's on the fence, here are your two interviews to see who you're voting for uh, in the primary. 
Um, if you enjoy this interview, please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, please share it with your friends or family. It's time to have open, honest, and respectful debates and conversations. Um, as Representative Cheney mentions, uh, Wyoming can still be a leader in the United States, um, and she believes because we still embody kind, neighborly behavior towards one another, um, which means we can have debates, we can disagree, and that's okay. Um, so hope you enjoy our interview with U.S. House of Representative. Uh, U.S. House of Representatives, Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming. We are sitting down with uh, Representative, U.S. House of Representatives, Liz Cheney. Uh, Congresswoman, thanks for, sorry for all the technical difficulty there, but thank you for taking the time this morning. Now, listen, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be, uh, great to be on with you guys. Yeah, we're, I think uh, everyone in Wyoming and especially us, we're very excited to hear uh, what you've got going on in D.C. Um, you've obviously got a re-election campaign, so uh, we're definitely uh, interested to hear your thoughts on kind of a lot of the things going on. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned there, we've got um, very, very busy these days in a whole range of areas. Um, you know, certainly as you look out at the issues that matter so much to us in Wyoming, um, we're really uh, fighting against a whole range of bad policies coming from the, the Biden administration. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time on things like our energy industry and our ag industry, obviously, um, our small businesses. You know, people across the state are hit hard by inflation. And, um, you know, I, I think you've got a number of things that have happened. I think the um, spending that we've seen from the Biden administration in the months that they've been in office has really um, added to and encouraged and resulted in the inflation that we're seeing. And uh, I think that you've had a situation where, um, you know, the, the um, spending that many of us in the Congress uh, voted against and urged them against, you know, there, there was a need to help people on some level through the COVID. And so of course you had some bipartisan efforts at the end of the last administration in that regard. Um, but but the spending that we've seen since then, I think, has too often been been really irresponsible, and uh, that's that's hitting people hard, uh, as I said, all across our state. Um, on energy policy, you know, we really we're watching obviously what's happening in in Ukraine, and I, there was bipartisan support to stop the importing of Russian oil and gas, and then. Um, the question then is, what do you do to fill the gap? And, you know, the United States and Wyoming in particular has such an ability to produce the energy we need for energy independence and such an ability to ensure that we can be the arsenal of energy for the world. Um, but we haven't seen the Biden administration be willing to, to take the step. And in fact, they continue to, to work against that and continue to try to ban uh, drilling on public lands, ban new oil and gas leases on public lands, certainly impose policies that are harmful to our coal industry as well. Right. So um, while, while we've seen bipartisan support in some areas, we're still certainly um, battling against bad policy in other areas. Yeah. And your work on fighting those bad energy policies in particular, like you said, that has obviously caused inflation along with the spending um, how have you been working maybe across the aisle, maybe not necessarily the administration, I think that's pretty obvious where they stand, but working with other House Democrats on finding some equal ground here on, uh, I, I guess, educating them on, hey, if we can get our energy independence back, 
that'll help inflation? How's how have you been working on that? Yeah, it's really interesting, and I think you've seen the um, partly because the Russian invasion of Ukraine and and Russia's use of energy as a weapon of blackmail um, has really, I think, opened people's eyes. And so there have been a couple of instances where we've had Republicans. Um, and some of the Democrats who represent districts that have fossil fuel production, for example, come together to say, wait a minute, we really, we need to understand that it's critical for our national security to be able to produce enough energy to make us energy independent here at home. And when you've watched the Biden administration take steps like decide they're going to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, rather than open up production of our own, uh, there's been a, a bipartisan resistance to that. Um, and, and I think also when you look at some of the things that we're doing in Wyoming with respect to clean coal technology and carbon capture and carbon sequestration, um, there are a lot of lessons that we can teach people and lessons that other states can learn from us in terms of you know how, how clean and how responsible um, our, our fossil fuel industry can be. And, and so I think that, that you do begin to see uh, some bipartisan consensus around what is really a common sense um, set of energy policies. Now, I think that the people who are sort of on the far left or exert you know, a, a significant amount of strength here and political power. So um, you know, we'll see whether or not that can carry through to changing some of these policies, but it, it certainly should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you kind of already mentioned the the clean energy uh, items like the carbon ca- capture, the sequestration. Um, you know, those innovations obviously uh, will help Wyoming's energy sector. Um, what are some other ways to regain you know public support for those industries? Yeah, I mean, I always feel like a big part of my job is education in terms of educating people outside Wyoming. Uh, educating people who've never been to Wyoming, educating people who, you know, maybe have kind of a, a concept of fossil fuels that doesn't match the reality of how we actually produce fossil fuels mm. in Wyoming and, and across the country. So a lot of a lot of that is, um, you know, helping to make sure people um, that people in the energy industry in Wyoming have a voice and a national voice and a voice to say, look, you know, before you start attacking Wyoming's coal industry, why don't you actually come visit and see what it looks like when, you know, we've been able to reclaim areas, um, you know, in the aftermath of mining. And and many of those areas that have been reclaimed, for example, are better, more pristine, uh, healthier, uh, both in terms of, you know, the rangeland, as well as in terms of, um, you know, the, the species that you find there. Like, come see the reality. Come see the reality of, you know, for example, what we're doing at the the Jonah Field with new technology, with drone technology that helps um, detect, you know, leaks, uh, you know, immediately and, and allows us to make sure we can get out and, and repair those quickly. Um, you know, come see what we're doing at, at uh, Dry Fork Power Station and with the Integrated Test Center and understand the leading role Wyoming is playing in demonstrating that our fossil fuels can be the cleanest. They are the cleanest in the world and they, they ought to drive the production of energy that the country needs. Yeah, no, that's well said. And I think education is a big one for sure. Um, you know, in respect to your, uh, 
uh, one of your opponents, Hageman, she mentions you are not on the um, natural resource committee. You know, we've just talked about energy for a whole good five minutes. You know, what would be your, um, you know, response to that um, in regards to how you've been able to work for Wyoming's energy sectors? Yeah, well, I think if you look at a couple of things, uh, one is uh, the Republicans right now, we're in the minority. And as you know, and, and there's nothing productive coming out of the Natural Resources Committee with the Republicans in the minority. Um, so this Congress, I have become uh, the vice chair of the Western Caucus. And the Western Caucus is a place where we're really able to actually, we can hold the kind of public hearings that we need to be able to hold. We can give voice to people from all across Wyoming and all across the West on these issues that, that are so critical, both to our energy industry and our ag industry, looking at issues like regulatory reform, uh, water issues. So the whole range of issues where um, the Western Caucus has been a much more effective and frankly, much more important place uh, as Republicans are in the minority to be able to fight for these issues. Um, you know, I also am really proud of my record on these issues and proud of, of what I've been able to do in the last six years as Wyoming's Congresswoman. Um, the very first piece of legislation that I had passed um, was a piece of legislation that um, repealed BLM Planning 2.0. And Planning 2.0 was a really, would have been a really damaging rule for us across the board. It would have given for example, foreign NGOs a seat at our table um, to help, you know, have input into land use uh, management decisions. Um, and so, you know, my record in terms of being able to um, work with the, the uh, previous administration, with the Trump administration, and get policies in place in that administration um, that were important for Wyoming, um, things like repealing the waters of the U.S., um, all of the important work that we were able to do in terms of regulatory reform that really helped our fossil fuel industry. I'm very proud of that record. Um, and, and my record in this Congress and when we've had the Biden administration in place, which again is an administration that does not, in my view, have the right policies when it comes to fossil fuels. Um, the important thing for us to be able to do now is to fight against those policies and to find every platform and means possible to do that um, I was very pleased, for example, last year to um, bring uh, Bruce Westerman, who's the ranking Republican on the Natural Resources Committee, um, as part of my job at the Western Caucus, I brought Bruce Westerman uh, out, out to Wyoming, and we had really important meetings and discussions in, in uh, Black Hills uh, National Forest, uh, talking about um, what we need to do in terms of forest management. Um, and and how those policies in Washington really matter for us uh, in Wyoming. Oh, yeah, no, that's well said. And uh, I do want to get into your thoughts on public land versus private land. You mentioned kind of the BLM 2.0. Uh, a quick question, though, you know, that was great uh, track record information on your, your work in the Western Caucus. If, if in uh, this next midterms in these elections, if you are uh, elected as a, our congresswoman and representative, and they asked you to be on the Natural Resource Committee, is that something you would consider for your state? Yes. Look, I will. I will always do uh, everything um, necessary uh, and possible to make sure that Wyoming has the strongest voice fighting for the issues that matter to us. Awesome. And then, yeah, so leading into, you kind of mentioned the BLM 2.0 and the work you, you know, uh, fought against those policies. 
uh, just briefly for everyone, well, how would you describe your position regarding you know private land versus public land use, uh, in particular to uh, the state of Wyoming? Well, it's such a fundamental issue. I, I find people are always surprised, people outside Wyoming, when I explain to them, you know, 50% of our land is federally owned. And um, the impact that that has on every single aspect of our lives in Wyoming, you know, you just can't, you can't understate that. Um, and so when you think about what that means, um, when you're uh, talking about the importance of, first of all, Right now, it's it's trying to fight against um, the Biden administration's 30 by 30 plan, which, um, you know, I've introduced legislation, for example, that would ensure that private landowners um, uh, cannot have their land, you know, basically taken by the government under that 30 by 30 initiative. We don't we haven't seen a definition from the Biden administration about what 30 by 30 is actually going to mean, um, but it has certainly um created a huge amount of, of very legitimate concern. And, and um, I've um, been in touch with, you know, many members of the Biden administration and working with people at home to sort of say, look, how do we make sure, how do we understand, first of all, what is it that you're, you're doing here? Are you going to, you know, count lands like, for example, Yellowstone, um, right. uh, Grand Teton? Are you going to count national park lands as already conserved? What is it you're asking these states to do, and how is this not just a massive land grab? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you know the whole range of issues around our public lands, protecting grazing rights on those public lands, ensuring that we can continue to develop um, natural resources on our public lands, ensuring that that you know our outfitters and uh, our snowmobilers and our heliskiers have access to areas where. You know, we all have enjoyed so much being able to enjoy the beauty of, of Wyoming, um, making sure that we continue multiple use. You know, I think so often what we see is um, an effort to, you know, when we have administrations in office like the Biden administration, you know, an effort to stop multiple use or an effort to interpret multiple use in ways that make it more like wilderness. And um, that doesn't, that's not right. That's not what the law says. You know, I've, I've done a lot of work on um, wilderness study areas and, uh, you know, the work that the, the Public Lands Council has done to try to come to agreement in some of these counties um, about, you know, what to do with these wilderness study areas. But, but we have areas across our state that have been, basically were reviewed uh, back in the early 90s um, and and cleared and and should be released from this category of wilderness study areas, but they are too often they continue to be managed as wilderness, um, just because we haven't been able to to fight to get those released. So there's just a whole range of issues. Um, Waters of the U.S. is another one where you see the Biden administration trying to come back in again um, and impose definitions that just are absolutely unworkable. Um, and, and it's, as I mentioned, our ag industry, our energy industry, but our small businesses, you know, real estate developers, um, all of the, the um, businesses that really make up our economy in Wyoming and that we depend upon um, are really hurt by massive government regulatory overreach. And fighting against that, I think, is just a, a critical part of, of the job of Wyoming's member of Congress.
Yeah, that's wonderful. And um, that was going to kind of be my next question was kind of how do you, you know, how have you been working to maintain Wyoming's sovereignty? And you kind of hit kind of all those right there. Um, I do want to uh, move into another question, though, uh, kind of on that same thread, you know, protecting um, Wyoming's industries, you know, ag, energy, of course, um, and small businesses. But, um, you know, how have you been able to determine, you know, how to try and carry out Wyoming citizens, um, you know, uh, demands, uh, even if it might conflict with your personal preference or, you know, uh, the kind of the next question is how do you determine that judgment call, you know, and self analysis when, when a situation does come up? Yeah, look, I think, um, again, uh, you know, my, my responsibility is to be Wyoming's, uh, voice. It's a tremendous honor and responsibility and duty, um, to cast a vote on behalf of, of Wyoming. And, um, so I, I spend a lot of time, certainly when you run for office, you explain sort of what your views are. Um, you do a lot of listening and, um, and people get to make a decision about whether or not, you know, your views are ones that they, um, agree with and uh, that they share. And, um, not everybody in Wyoming has the same view on every issue. Right. Certainly. Uh, I think that's one of the things that, that makes our state special. Um, and we've also had a real tradition in our state of, of neighborliness, um, of independent mm -hmm. thinking, um, you know, of, um, you know, the government doesn't tell us what to do. You know, I think about the people who settled our state. I think about my great grandparents and, um, my great, great grandmothers who, uh, actually, you know, uh, walked the Mormon trail. Um, and you know, the, the, Many of the people who came to Wyoming first uh, came in search of freedom and of religious freedom. And I think that there's a, a sense of, um, you know, well, I guess it's neighborliness and a sense of respect for others that has really long been part of our state. And I think it's very important. Um, but certainly as we're talking about big legislative issues that come up, um, you know, having the chance to meet with constituents, having the chance to talk about what their views are, having the chance to understand uh, views of different communities across our state and how different pieces of legislation affect them, uh, having the chance to spend time talking to, meeting with, um, you know, our tribal leadership and understanding how these issues affect them uh, and the leaders of all of these, these industries, but, you know, also Wyoming's teachers, our families, and the needs in Wyoming, um, you know, I think that many, many people in our state share some very, very important values, even if we don't agree on all of the issues, but our communities are very different. And so, you know, what, what might make sense for Green River isn't necessarily going to, you know, make sense for Laramie. Um, and, and so I think recognizing and understanding um, the, the differences yeah. Um, and the diversity uh, of needs across the state is really an important part of my task as well. Awesome. No, that was really well said. And uh, that leads me up into um, one of my questions that um, I, I definitely want to hear uh, your answer on is, um, you know, right now, especially in the um, Republican Party and conservatives, I think, and, and really uh, both sides of the party, we... Um, you know, 2020 was a tight election, and I think we all can agree on that. Um, but I think we need to be moving forward. And um, how, 
do you think you can help mend the wounds of the last couple of years on both sides in the Republican Party? You kind of mentioned that. Uh, I would agree. Wyoming is very neighborly. We can have conversations. You can have debates, and that's okay, and we can disagree. Um, you know, there's, we'll not shy away from it. You made a couple decisions that, uh, the, you know, the state party and the national party were not very fond of, but how can we move past that? We can disagree, and, and how, how can you see us uh, or see you work into, you know, mend those resentments um, or just voice, you know, we can disagree on those, but let's move forward to something else. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think about it a little bit differently. Um, I think that, you know, there are a set of substantive policy issues. You know, I'm a conservative Republican, and and I have been ever since I, I cast my first vote for Ronald Reagan when I was 18 years old. Um, and um, to me, uh, being conservative means that you stand for, you know, things like low taxes and uh, limited government. That government that governs best is closest to the people. You stand for a strong national defense, um, and above all, you stand for the Constitution. And so, I, I think that you know we need to recognize the challenges and the threats the country faces, and we need to elect people who are serious and who will address those threats seriously. Um, I have very real and significant concerns about. The leadership of our current state party in Wyoming. Um, you know, I've, our state party chair is a member of the Oath Keepers. He was here at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, he went home and he advocated for things like secession, potentially. Um, those are not views or values that reflect conservatism. And when I watch things like the state party uh, a week or 10 days ago at the party convention, essentially rejecting the delegates from Laramie County and from Natrona County, that tells you that something is really wrong with our state party. And, and I think that we really have to come together to say, we're gonna reject lies. We're gonna reject any use of violence in our political process or our political system. You know, the peaceful transition of power is fundamental and um, necessary for the Republic to survive. And so my vote to impeach Donald Trump, my work on the January 6th committee uh, is all focused on what do we need to do to understand that attack and to make sure nothing like that ever happens again, um, to make sure that Congress puts in place the kind of laws that we might need to ensure nothing like that ever happens again. And and my job as Wyoming's member of Congress is to uphold my oath to the Constitution. You know, I've, I've watched too many Republicans um, decide that they were going to put politics ahead of that oath, decide they were going to put loyalty to Donald Trump ahead of their oath to the Constitution. I will never do that. I think that that risks the survival of, of our constitutional republic. And I think that you know, fundamentally, all of us as Americans have to put defense of the Constitution um, ahead of party. I mean, you know, we all, those of us who serve and who have served take an oath to the Constitution. We don't take an oath to our political party. We don't take an oath to any individual. Uh, we take an oath to the Constitution and, and we take that oath under God. 
Uh, and I take that very seriously. And I think all of our elected officials need to take that seriously. Yeah. And I think you hit on a couple things, you know, that um, my co-host and I at the time back in 2020 also voiced and agreed that there's a dangerous precedent when we challenge the integrity and trust of the election system, the process, um, and things like that. Um, a question to lead up to that, you know, I think, again, a lot of, obviously a lot of people in the state party across the state um, have different feelings about this. And what would you say to them on how they should gain some trust in regards to what's been told about January 6th, what they see about January 6th, and then, um, you know, how can they, how can they gain that trust from you? You know, they, they're, again, there's that kind of resentment and, um, I guess just distrust, you know, disloyalty is what they feel, but what would you say to them on, you know, let's have this conversation about that and, 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 and so forth. Well, it's, it's such an important question and such an important conversation to have. Um, you know, and I think you have to start with um, the the fact that the election wasn't stolen and people have been lied to. And um, President Trump continues to lie about that. Uh, but, you know, we're we're a nation of laws. And when you're running for office and you believe that there's been fraud, then you're, you have the right, totally legitimate right to go to court and to, to follow whatever the state laws outline in terms of the process for challenging results. And um, Donald Trump did that. He had absolutely had the right to do that. Uh, and he lost 60 out of 61 cases. Mm -hmm. And in many of those cases, the evidence was reviewed in detail and they were decided by Trump judges um, and and it was very clear he lost the election. And you can go back and look precinct by precinct um, what actually happened. So I think that it's very important, you know, to understand we have a we have a real problem, not just in politics today, but in society, um, because in too many cases disinformation is just being spread, and and people are being lied to. Um, and you know, one of the things that we have had the uh, responsibility to do on this committee um, is to interview a number of people who were here at the Capitol, who who came, and um, some of them, a number of them, have been um, convicted, uh, and and the stories that they tell, and the stories that have been public about people saying, "Well, we came." to the Capitol because Donald Trump told us that we could change the outcome of the election on January 6th. And that's, that was a lie. It was never true. And, and as Americans, we would never want Congress to choose our president. It's unconstitutional and it's unconstitutional for a good reason. You know, I, I tell people, look, if you argued that I could have objected to electoral votes on January 6th, that I could have somehow, you know, rejected by objecting to votes, then how are you going to protect us if next time around, you know, Nancy Pelosi decides she doesn't like the way that Wyoming's electoral votes went, and so she objects? That's not that's not constitutional. Mm -hmm. You know, our our states have responsibility uh, under our constitution for selecting the president, selecting electors to who elect the president. So yeah. I think that's one thing is we have to defeat that lie. 
But the second thing I think is really important for people to understand, you know, President Trump, he, he summoned this mob and you can see how he did it. Um, he, you know, through social media, um, through his lies about the election, then he assembled the mob and then he sent the mob to march on the Capitol. And while that was happening, while the attack was taking place, uh, he didn't tell them to go home. And it, it you know, for, for hours, um, he sat and did not tell them to go home. While police officers were being brutally beaten and attacked, um, while thousands of people um, armed in some instances attempted to attack the Capitol, did attack the Capitol, he didn't stop it. And he's the commander in chief. So I think that we need to sort of establish the basis of what happened. And then we need to say, look, we believe in conservative principles. So let's figure out how we're going to get people elected who will actually fight for those things um, and, and not become the party that embraces uh, the kind of violence that we saw on January 6th. Yeah. Um, well, gr- I was glad. Um, I'm happy that you answered that. And, and that leads me to another question. You know, this is a very hot topic and I want your thoughts on kind of a very similar situation. Um, this very unprecedented um, Supreme Court uh, draft decision leak. Um, and right now, um, you know, this administration currently is doing nothing to stop uh, people pretty much uh, following around and harassing our justices, you know, um, how do you see this undermining the Supreme Court moving forward? Um, have you heard of any special committees or anything looking, you know, investigating into this leak? Well, I think the leak itself is really tragic. Um, I think the Supreme Court, for the most part in recent history, has really managed to be kind of one institution in Washington that that stays above politics there's been, um, you know, a real confidence among, you know, the clerks and the justices on the court that they could have these discussions privately. Um, and I think the link, leaking of this opinion really does damage to the institution of the court. Uh, it's also uh, likely illegal. And I think that whoever did it should be prosecuted to the, the fullest extent of the law. Um, I also think it's absolutely wrong and probably also illegal um, for people to be protesting outside justices' houses and pressuring justices. And when you hear that Justice Alito, for example, and his family had to go to an undisclosed location, um, you know, we are not a country that can ever um, be, be ruled by that kind of political intimidation. And people, certainly, we all as citizens have the right to, to have our voices heard. But, you know, you, you should not be outside of Supreme Court justices' homes or any officials' homes and uh, pressuring them and scaring their children. I mean, that, that, that's just not, uh, it's not who we are, and it's not right, and it should stop. And I know that um, there have been efforts to ensure that there's sufficient protection for Supreme Court justices and their families. But, you know, ultimately we must be a nation of laws and, um, you know, political intimidation and political pressure runs counter to the importance of of us uh, as a nation of laws. And I think 
it's very important for people to understand um, how quickly things can unravel if if we succumb to to uh, to mob rule. If sure. We we abandon the rule of law. Yeah. That I've got one more question because I think that was probably your timer for you to go. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's they're telling us the house is coming into session. Oh, okay. Um, so so with that, uh, uh, Congresswoman, is have you heard of any investigations? Or I guess you know, just are 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 is there an investigation started on the leak? Is my question, I guess. I believe so. I think Chief Justice Roberts announced that he was he had instructed the marshals at the court uh, who are in charge of security um, to conduct. Um, a very thorough investigation of the leak, and um, and so I, I suspect I'm, I'm sure that that's that's underway, um, you know. But again, I mean, it's such I don't know if in the history of the court you have had a draft opinion like this one um, leaked, and and I really do think I mean the justices. You hear stories, for example, about Justice Scalia and his friendship with Justice Ginsburg, even though. They were on totally opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of their judicial, you know, their their philosophy. Um, right. They they were good friends, and they they knew they could trust each other. And I think the justices have to be able to have discussions about opinions in a considered way that they don't have to worry will leak. And and I I think it's a sad thing that somebody took it upon themselves to to leak this opinion. Yeah. Oh, and then I mean. If there if there are arrests or a committee formed, is that something that you would be looking forward to as well? Because it's uh, some Wyoming citizens would consider this very similar to January sixth in just regards of you know enforcing the law. Is that something that you would also consider? Well, I think that the law must be enforced. Uh, I think that um, you know the Supreme Court is investigating the leak, and I think obviously they're in the best place to do that. I think the role of Congress. Um, is in part to make sure the resources are there, you know, as uh, the House has the power of the purse. And so we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to ensure that the court is protected. Um, and and I think that that's all very important. Um, and and look, I, I think certainly as we, as we look towards June, uh, when the court will release its final opinion, um, I think we all need to be very aware of the fact that we have to respect the rulings of the courts. And, um, you know, that may be in this case, a ruling that those on the left disagree with. Um, but the obligation to respect the rulings of the courts is something that we all, we all share. We all have to adhere to. Yeah. Well said. Um, all right. One last question. I know you got to get going. Um, this is kind of a great one to end on. Um, you know, why do you feel like you are the right candidate for Wyoming? Um, and, and where do you see Wyoming going in the next couple of years? Well, look, I think, um, it, it is just such a tremendous honor to be Wyoming's representative in Congress. And, um, such an honor to be able to fight on behalf of the values and the beliefs um, and, and frankly, the model that Wyoming is for the rest of the country um, in terms of, of our commitment to our founding documents, in terms of our independence, our common sense. Um, and, and so I'm just tremendously honored to represent Wyoming in Congress. And you never lose that um, respect for what it means to cast the vote uh, on behalf of the people of Wyoming. I think we have you know big challenges ahead for our state as we look at dealing with inflation, 
as we look at making sure that our energy industry and our ag industry can continue to thrive, as we look at how do we keep young people uh, in Wyoming. I had the chance um, a couple of months ago to do a big roundtable discussion uh, at, at the university with you know, students who are getting ready to graduate and who want to make sure that they have a place in Wyoming's economy. Many of them don't want to have to leave home, um, but they're worried about jobs and having the kind of jobs there, um, you know, that, that are going to keep people. And I think as we look at how to grow our economy into the future, um, there are so many, so many places where we are a model. And, um, you know, whether it's uh, providing examples for the rest of the country and the rest of the world about our energy development, whether it's producing food that feeds the country and the world, whether it's our small businesses and our communities, Wyoming's just such a such an amazing place and such a model for the rest of the country. And um, I think we have huge potential. Uh, we haven't even talked about things like our uranium industry, um, which is another place where, given what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. Um, you know, we want to make sure that Wyoming's uranium industry uh, stays stays healthy and and robust and continues to grow. Uh, so so we have a, a very exciting challenges ahead, and and I look forward very much to helping be part of of representing Wyoming and and being our voice uh, into the future. Wonderful. Uh, last last question is: uh, Do you have any planned events this summer for campaigning? Um, and then where can people follow? Uh, your campaign uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be all over the state this summer and um, uh, on our uh, Cheney for Wyoming website. And then also um, at uh, at Liz underscore Cheney is uh, my campaign Twitter. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram, which we'll have to tell you. I don't know what our Instagram is, actually. <laughs> we can get that to you guys That's on all right. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh but, but look forward very much to, to being all across our state and in communities across, across Wyoming uh, over the next several months and having the chance to talk to people in big groups and small and um, look forward to, to uh, having the chance to, to ask people for their vote and to debating these issues um, and talking about the things that really matter to all of us. Yeah, wonderful. Well, if you're swinging up through Sheridan, uh, hit us up, and we'd love to have you back on and have more of this conversation. But uh, sounds like you better be uh, going into the house there. So, um, uh, Representative Cheney, thank you for your time, and, and we hope to talk to you soon again. Sure. Thanks so much, Aaron. Great to be with you guys. Yep. Thank you for having me on. Thank you.